This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Amen. Thank you, guys. Really want to honor you. It takes a lot of courage to come and share here with us, but just such a blessing to realize that God speaks, and He speaks in so many different ways. He's spoken, I believe, to us even in our, our time of worship this morning. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm James, and it's really a privilege. I'm going to share, not for long this morning, just very quickly uh, around worship, and specifically worship that's, that's in spirit. Um, it's so good to be in my home church for a change, it feels like, uh, the, towards the end of last year, we, we brought out an album, uh, the Behold CD, and we've been doing lots and lots of launches. We've visited about 20 churches in the last several months, so that there's not many Sundays in a, in a month, so you can, <laughs> you can work out where, where, uh, where I've been, um, but it's been such a blessing just to go and visit the different shofar churches, see what God's doing amongst us, see that God is amongst us and He's doing amazing things. And last week I was... Um, with the Shofar Durban guys, and they're, they're a small congregation there, and we did like a combined worship and, and training and so on with, with them and with Live Village. Who knows Live Village? It's basically a, a village that, uh, that was started um, to house orphans. I don't know how many orphans, about 30 houses full of, um, of about six orphans per home, each with a mother. It's amazing what, what God is doing there. I also just before I continue to what I want to say, it's amazing. I think the biggest thing that I was struck with when I was there um, was to realize how you don't know that you don't have hope anymore until you see hope. Isn't that true? And I think for myself, going there, intellectually, I've got hope for our nation. You know, I know what God says about our nation, but it's, it's so intellectual and in my heart, in so many ways, I've lost hope. And so it, it, I had to see hope again for me to realize that I'd lost hope. And can I just say that there is hope for this nation. And it's amazing what they're doing with the orphans. It's, it's unbelievable what they're doing. But, but beyond that, I was just so blessed. And so I'm, I'm still trying to process what I saw just by seeing so many different nations, so many different tribes, so many different cultures coming together and worshiping. Uh, it was just this beautiful taste, I believe, of heaven, but also a beautiful taste of what I believe God, God is wanting to do in our nation through the church. Uh, and so I came back filled with hope and that we here in Stellenbosch, what is, what is God's desire for us as, the, as part of his church? What is the hope that he's wanting us to, to bring to this town and to this nation? Uh, but let me just pray before we, we go on. Father, we thank you for your presence here. We just recognize your presence. We make ourselves aware of your presence, that you love your children, you love it when you, we gather like this, this brings you joy, and it's our greatest delight to bring you joy, Father, it's our greatest delight to honor you, to be in your presence, to be amongst just other believers, God, to strengthen our faith, to say that we cannot make it on our own, we need you and we need one another, and we need you, Holy Spirit, to come and just breathe life on us this morning. We need you, Holy Spirit, to come and open our eyes to see, to see the Father, to see Jesus, to see again the victory that we heard about now, to see that victory that was purchased for us. 
Holy Spirit, we just consecrate this time to you. Come and speak to us through your word. May you encourage us. May you shape us, make us more like Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. It's so amazing having a worship service this morning. I'm very excited for what God wants to do. So we're speaking about, about worshiping in spirit, or spirit-led worship. And for those who've maybe grown up in, like myself, in more charismatic circles, or maybe you're a little bit new to charismatic circles, when I think worship in spirit, often the first thing that comes to mind is, okay, that's when we start to sing in tongues. Uh, that's when we start to sing spontaneous songs. Um, but I really believe that there's so much more that God has uh, just has for us when we, we think about what it means to worship in spirit. And I'm going to start off with, with a scripture that we've, we, we've read so many times here in church, so I'm not going to go into too much of it. I'm just going to highlight one or two verses of it. But it's from John 4 where Jesus is, is speaking to the woman at the well. He and his disciples, they're moving through Samaria. And the disciples go into the city to find food, looking for the closest McDonald's or I don't know what, they, what food they sold in, in, in Samaria. And Jesus decides to, to wait outside at the well. He's on his own. And then this woman comes out also on her own. Nobody else is around. And Jesus has this one-on-one -on -one with her. And it just this is one of the most profound conversations, one of the most profound passages around worship. What is true worship? What is the worship that God is looking for? Um, and it's there that we read this line, worship in spirit. Uh, just before I read it for you, it's going to be up there. It's from verse 20. About halfway through the conversation, this woman realizes that, that Jesus is a prophet, at least. Uh, or he's somebody who really knows, because he, he begins to call out things in her life that nobody else, or that he shouldn't know. And she immediately switches the conversation to become very spiritual and very religious. And whenever I read this part, I always think about, uh, you know, when I'm maybe sitting next to somebody on the plane and I start talking about, kind of introducing myself. And then I get to that dreaded moment where they ask what I do. And then I have to say, I work for the church. And then immediately their conversation changes and becomes very spiritual and very religious. And they start calling me brother. And they start, <laughs> well, they start saying, you know, oh yeah, yeah, I've, I've been meaning to get to church. You know, I, I haven't been in a while. I went at Christmas. Uh, <laughs> immediately the conversation becomes a bit religious or spiritual. And this is what happened with this woman with Jesus. So she suddenly switches the conversation to speak about worship. She says, our fathers, speaking about the Samaritans who didn't mix with the Jews, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you, the Jews, say that Jerusalem is the place where the people ought to worship. And Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You, the Samaritans, worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship, worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And there's just so much that we can get from this passage, but I'm, I'm just going to zero in on the worship in spirit. Very quickly, when we're speaking about worshiping in truth, we're obviously speaking about the truth of who God is. When we worship God, we, we worship Him according to the way He's revealed Himself to us. Not a God of our own making, not a God of our own understanding. And I think um, Pastor Henny uses an example which always uh, illustrates it really well for me. He says, imagine that I have a huge chunk of rock, and from it I begin to chisel out a statue, and I, I make a statue of a man. He's tall, and he's got a long flowing hair, and a beautiful flowing robe, and 
He's got a smile on his face. And at the bottom of that statue, I chisel out the name, I inscribe the name Jesus. And then I put that statue in the corner of my house. And every morning, I bow down and I worship it. I worship Jesus. In the evening, I bow down and I worship Jesus. I'm worshiping Jesus, right? <laughs> no, of course not. We're worshiping a Jesus of our own making, of our own understanding. And that's, that's the picture you can have in mind when it says to worship in truth. We're not worshiping according to our own subjective understanding, our own wishful thinking of who God is. We're worshiping according to truth, which is how he has revealed himself, which is in the word of God. So that's what it means to, to worship in truth. But this morning we're speaking about worshiping in spirit and, and what that means. And, and what does it mean when our, our worship is, is spirit-led? And what I'm really trusting for this morning as we speak about this is that we would learn to honor the Holy Spirit. And to honor the Holy Spirit, we need to know what is his role? What is, what is it that he does in our lives to recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in our worship? And what it means to surrender to him what it means to be sensitive to him, you know, to, to be aware that he's speaking. Even as you're speaking this morning, he was speaking to us. Are we sensitive enough to hear what he is saying? And I, I also like what R.T. Kendall, theologian, I like what he says. It's not only about the sensitivity to the Spirit, but the sensitivity of the Spirit. The fact that the Holy Spirit is sensitive in that we can quench him or we can grieve him. That's a humbling thought. I think that we can, we can literally hold the Spirit back from doing what He wants to do. Obviously, not ultimately. It's, um, God's plans and purposes are perfect. But in our lives, we can, we can quench whether we hear Him, let me put it that way, and whether we experience Him moving in us and through us. And ultimately, we want to get to the place where we're obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Where we hear what He's saying and we're obedient. All right. So... We can maybe start with just the role of, of, of the Spirit in, in these times. When we come together, when we gather corporately, it's beautiful. There's something that God does here in our midst when we gather together that's not necessarily going to happen at, when you're alone at home in your room. There's something powerful that happens just when believers come together and God starts to speak. And I think so many times when we gather here corporately to worship, the things that we're aware of is, you know, the lighting, which now at the moment is a bit dim thanks to ESCOM. But we've got generators, praise God for generators. So we think we, we're aware of the lighting, we're aware of the atmosphere in the room, we, we're aware of the band that is on stage. And if the band is singing the songs that we enjoy and they're playing in the genre that we identify with, then we're able to engage in worship. And yet the most important leader, can I say, the most important one who enables us to worship is not the band or the lights. The most important one is unseen. We don't see him, but he is the one who leads us. It's the spirit of God. And, and what I see so often, I'm involved with worship teams and I, you know, I go to, to lots of different churches. And what I see in our, our culture is that many times we fall for the danger of making the band almost like a mediator. The worship team becomes a mediator between us and God. And if the worship team really has their things right, if they are well, well rehearsed and they sing the songs we enjoy, then we can engage with God. But if they're maybe a little, singing a little bit false, or you know the, the sound is not coming through well enough on, on that side, then we struggle to, to engage with God. And I think many times that's a, that's a, 
a scary um, consequence of our consumer culture, where we come to church with an with a, a desire to receive. And of course, we must come with a, an expectation that we're going to receive. Hebrews says, when we come to God, we must believe He exists and He rewards us when we seek Him. But what is the motivation of our heart? Is it only to receive just for me, for me, for me? We come with that consumer mentality. And then if the band's not performing, then I can't engage with God. And I've, I've mentioned this quote before, but it's one of my favorites from good old Reinhard Bonker. The less Holy Spirit we have, the more cake and coffee we need to keep the church going. Said like only a German can. <laughs> and what is, what is cake and coffee in the context of our, our worship? It's the lights. It's the nice sounds. It's the songs. It's the band. And the less we rely on the Spirit of God to lead us in our worship and to give us the ability to engage with God and to encounter God, the more we place pressure on the worship team, on the band to fulfill that function. And they become something that they weren't designed to, do, to be, is that mediator. But we can only worship because of the Spirit. Let's read these scriptures together. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 18. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's always a good place to say amen. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, in other words, there was something that prevented us from seeing God. With unveiled face now, we're beholding the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul also says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who leads us in our worship. Uh, You've probably heard many times the phrase that worship is a response. And I really like that description of worship because worship is a response. You know, when we have revelation of God, when that veil is removed, we can see God. We have revelation of who He is. And then what is the most appropriate response? It's worship. What is the most appropriate response to to seeing this God of the universe who loves us despite us. It's just to fall down and worship. It's, it's the most natural thing to do. What else can we do? If you look at scripture, when people had a revelation of God, worship was the response. You couldn't help it. You couldn't do anything else. And so who's the one who leads us in that response? It's the Spirit of God. Because He's the one who removes that veil so that we can see God. And through the Holy Spirit, we can say, Jesus, you are Lord, you are master of my life. And then the, the amazing thing with this is, is when we understand that the Spirit of God is the one who leads us in our worship, then we understand that we don't have to wait for church on a Sunday, or we don't have to wait for a band to be playing instruments for us to be able to engage with God, for us to be able to worship God. And that's also part of the heart of why we we got rid of the instruments this morning, you know, just to do something a bit different for us to realize I've got a voice. I can sing. Every one of us have a voice with which we can worship God. And our worship is not restricted to Sundays or small group or when there's a band playing. And that's, that's in effect what Jesus was saying as well in John 4 when, when the woman says, you know, our worship happens here, your worship happens there. And Jesus says, that's how it has been. There's a time coming 
when worship is not going to be restricted to a specific location. You're not going to have to go to the temple in order to worship. You're going to be the temple. You're going to become the temple of God. That's what, that, what we, we're called. We're called the temple of God. God fills us with the Spirit so that our worship isn't restricted to one place. But wherever we go is the right place to worship. Wherever we go, we have the Spirit of God in us. We have the ability to worship. And I really believe that this is one of the privileges that we have as people who benefit from the new covenant that we just we don't understand the privilege that we have the fact that we're filled with the spirit of god this was something that everybody in the old covenant longed for you know where it's no longer about these outward performances that i do but god god kept giving these clues these hints that he was going to come and write his covenant, he was going to write his law on our hearts. He was going to fill us with his spirit. This is something that happened only with certain people, with kings or prophets or priests, that the spirit of God would anoint them in the old covenant. But now we have the privilege as the body of Christ to be filled with the spirit of God. That is worth being thankful for. It's something that they dreamed of. And I think, especially when we're speaking about being spirit-filled, it's so easy for it to become like a cliche or a label. Is that person spiritual or not? And you know, we, we, we're kind of placing a label on them, especially within the charismatic church. We become familiar with the Holy Spirit. We become casual about the Holy Spirit. And yet the Spirit of God, the one that is inside of us, is the same Spirit that was hovering over the waters at the beginning of creation. Before there was anything, it was the Spirit that hovered there. I've been spending quite a bit of time in the Old Testament lately, and you just realize that when the Spirit of God fills, say, a king, that's whether he succeeds or not. That's whether the nation will rise or fall is based on whether that person has the Spirit of God upon them. The, the Spirit of God that is inside of us caused nations to either rise or to fall. And that should, that should bring a humility in our hearts to understand that same Spirit is inside of us. And so that's my first question for us this morning is, do we honor the Holy Spirit for who He is? Do we honor Him for who He is and for what He does? Do we honor Him here in our coming together, our congregations? And when you go home this afternoon, do we honor the Holy Spirit in our homes? Tomorrow morning when you go to work or if you're in a classroom, do we step into our offices or into our classrooms? Do we honor the Holy Spirit in that place? And I hope you'll agree with me. I'm, I'm hungry for a greater measure of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because I realize I cannot do anything. I cannot do anything without Him. I'm hungry for a greater measure of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And and not, not just for my life to be changed, to be impacted. I, I, I love what the, the disciples in the upper room, or not in the upper room, sorry, a little bit later, um, when they, they said they've got all these challenges, all these crazy people coming against them, you know, the city is in turmoil, and they say, God, we pray for boldness. And God comes and shakes the building, and he fills them, it says that he fills them again with his Holy Spirit. And then they have boldness. When we have the Spirit of God inside of us, it's not just for our lives to be changed. 
It's for literally for the world to be turned upside down. So I want to be filled with the Spirit, not just for my life, but for this town, for the sake of this nation, for the sake of what God is wanting to do in this nation. As I said, there is hope for this nation. I didn't realize that I didn't have hope until I saw hope again. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're sitting here without hope, whether it's for your family or for your business, for this town or for this nation, allow the Spirit of God to come and stir that up in you again. We need Him. And, you know, if you, if you want to know what, this, what, the, what the Spirit does in our lives, I, I always go to Isaiah 61. I think it's just such a beautiful summary of this is what the Spirit does. This is what happens when we're filled with the Spirit. And Jesus quoted Isaiah 61, that He was filled with the Spirit of God. And then because of Him, because of the new covenant, because He went back to, back to heaven, He said He was going to send us the Comforter. He was going to send us the Helper. He would send us the Spirit. And now we have the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's upon us because He's anointed us. This is what He does. He brings good news to the poor. He sends us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, gladness, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. God fills us with the Spirit to see these, this freedom that he may be glorified. And so when our worship is Spirit-led, it's not just about singing in tongues. When we say worship in the Spirit, we're not just saying sing, you know, we can, we can pray with our minds and we can pray in the Spirit. We can sing with our minds, with our understanding, we can sing in the Spirit. It's beautiful, it's part of, part of our worship. But it's, just, it's not limited there, it doesn't stop there. When we worship according to the Spirit, there's freedom, there's deliverance, there's healing. And I believe that God can do all of that just as we worship. Just as we set our eyes, we fix our eyes on Him, He wants to come and bring that healing and bring that deliverance. And so when we come together like this, we can expect that our worship will be Spirit-led. That He will be the one that, that, that because we, we're filled with the Spirit, there's freedom, there's healing, there's deliverance. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. You know, he's, he's just spoken about the, the different gifts of the Spirit and the fact, you know, what the Spirit does and the, the gifts that He gives. And then he says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one is a hymn. Thank you, Andre and Kim. You brought your hymn this morning. Each one is a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done, building up. So when our worship is Spirit-led, everybody has something that the Spirit wants to bring through everyone. <laughs> everybody has a gift. And, and maybe it's like Andre and Kim, you share it here on the stage. Maybe it's there in the foyer. After, after church when you're having coffee with somebody, there's something that God has deposited in your heart to give. Maybe it's tomorrow morning at the office or when you stop at the shops. Every one of us has something to give for the purpose of building up. As we honor the Holy Spirit. And to honor the Spirit mean, means to, we have respect for Him. We understand His role. We defer to Him. We look up to Him. We 
we take our cue from Him. In other words, His voice is the priority above all other voices. And I really thank God for a pastor like Pastor C.S. who will be willing to stop everything when the Spirit is ministering here. That we won't continue with our agenda, with our program, until God has finished speaking. But when we honor the Spirit of God, He speaks. And when He speaks, and, and the amazing thing is when He speaks, He often speaks through other people. He's not, not just speaking to me, but He speaks through one another. And I'm going to end off with just an amazing example of worship that is Spirit-led. When different people come together to hear what the, what the Spirit of God is saying. And it's, a, it's actually from the Old Testament. And it's one that Pastor Sia shared earlier in this year. But I cannot tell you, it's the, the story of Jehoshaphat and his army. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard the story in the last couple of months. Anybody else witnessing with that? The, Jehoshaphat's army, you know, where they sent the worshipers in front of the army. I just, they, it feels like everybody in the church is talking about the story. And from different, completely different angles, completely unrelated. So I just, I really believe that this is a, a word for us. And so I, sorry that I'm repeating it. Um, but I feel there's something here that God's wanting us to understand as we look at an example of spirit-led worship. It's from 2 Chronicles 20. Um, and we're not going to read the whole portion very briefly. The Jehoshaphat was a, was a king of Judah. He was a godly king. Um, and at one point, all these nations that were surrounding Judah comes against Judah in battle. They're ready to make war with Judah. And Judah does not have an army that can nearly compete with this massive multitude that's coming against them. And so Jehoshaphat, the king, hears this word about this army coming, and he is terrified. He's afraid. And then he prays this beautiful prayer. I encourage you, go and read this. 2 Chronicles 20, go and read the prayer that he prays. I think it's just such a beautiful model prayer where he starts his prayer by saying, God, this is who you are. This is what you have done for us. He's, re he's reminding himself, God, this is who you are. This is why we are here. It's because of you. And then he says, but, but this is the reality. This is what's coming against us. And then he ends off by saying, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I think that's a good prayer to pray. <laughs> and that's in many cases, in, in many senses, the, the, the heart behind the Behold album is that, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We look to you. We fix our eyes on you. And then this, this amazing thing, after the prayer is prayed, the Holy Spirit comes and anoints uh, one of the prophets in the nation. And he comes with this word that says, God says, this battle, you don't have to fight it. I'm going to fight it on your behalf. You just have to stand. Just stand. The battle's not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Can you imagine? That's an encouraging word. But then we, then we read from verse 21, and this is where I want us to, to quickly jump in. When he had taken counsel with the people, just before this, he says to the people, okay, this is the word of God. Believe it. When he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. I just want to pause there. So the word of God has come to the nation of Judah saying, you know, just stand, the battle is, is the Lord's. God didn't say, put your musicians in front. It made me wonder 
what made him do that? He didn't have to. The word of God just came, said, stand, the battle is, is mine. Didn't say anything about putting the singers out in front. But who knows that? So many of us, we receive the word of the Lord. We know what the word of the Lord is saying. But that doesn't take away from the fact that the armies are still facing us. The armies are still assembled against us. We're still facing a war. We're still facing a battle. And so what do we do? We remind ourselves of who God is. That is the power of praise. And that is the power of worship. We're not just singing songs when we sing our songs. We're declaring who God is. We're reminding ourselves, this is who God is. This is what he does. And I, I love the, the line that they chose. Steadfast love endures forever. In other words, this army that's coming against us, it's flesh and bone. They're like grass. They're here today, gone tomorrow. But my God and his love endure forever. That is the power of our worship. It's reminding ourselves of who God is. And just, I think also we, because we know the story, we, we kind of, we don't really think about how absolutely crazy it is that instead of going into battle with your sword drawn, you're ready, you go with the singers. Hey? Imagine this little choir that we had here this morning <laughs> going ahead of us in battle. Give thanks to the Lord, His steadfast love endures forever. That's, that's, that's what we're declaring and that's what we're trusting for is that God is going to come through for us. But that is the power of our worship. And I love that line, just after that, when he says, and when they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush against the other armies. And basically, they start to destroy one another. <laughs> they start to come against one another, and everything, they're all destroyed. And Israel goes in and takes the spoils. When they began to sing and to praise. Isn't that amazing that God responds to their faith? God's already given the word. God's already said, all you need to do is stand. The battle belongs to me. But when they respond in faith, that's when God begins to move as they declare who God is. And so this is, for me, this is just such a beautiful picture of spirit-led worship. Firstly, the word didn't come to Jehoshaphat. It came to somebody else. He had to be willing to receive God's word through somebody else. And secondly, they were obedient to the word of God, even though it made absolutely no sense. Can you imagine going into army, going against an army with a bunch of singers? It does not make sense. And yet when our worship is spirit-led, so many times it's going to require of us to trust God and not what our logic says. To fear God and not man, despite how crazy it seems to reverence God. And so this is my last question for us this morning before we end off is, what is the word of God that he's saying to you right now? I know one of them is, is what Andre and Kim shared. For us as a church, it's the word that's been coming over and over this year, is to stand. That is the word that God has spoken to us. But what is the, the word that God has spoken maybe to your family or maybe for your business? Or for us as a nation, what is the word of the Lord that the Spirit has spoken to us? And secondly, what is our response going to be? How are we going to worship in response to that? How are we going to worship in our homes in response to that? How are we as the church of Jesus Christ in South Africa going to worship in response to the armies that are still facing us? There's a standoff. They're looking at us. They're looking us in the eye. 
but what is our response going to be? As we honor the Holy Spirit, we learn to hear His voice, we listen to what He's saying, and then we respond with obedience. Amen. Let's just stand together. I'm going to hand over to Pastor C.S. in a moment. Um, but what I, what I just really felt this morning is that some of us need to maybe repent um, of quenching the Spirit of God. And I know in my life, it's sometimes it's small things or what I would think are small uh, I, for example, I'm very impatient sometimes, and it might seem like something small and something silly, but every time I'm impatient, I know the Spirit of God is saying to me, you're quenching me. And so I need to repent often. <laughs> and maybe there's habits like that in our lives. Maybe there's sin in our lives that we need to repent of this morning to say, God, I desire to honor you. I desire to honor your presence, to honor your Spirit but I need to come and repent of these habits that have allowed to form in my life. Or, or maybe you need to just remind yourself of the word that God has, has spoken. Maybe God wants to come and, and give you something this morning, that a response that you can go back to your homes this afternoon. Go to your office tomorrow morning and say, this is gonna be my worshipful response to what God has said to me, to this business, to this classroom, to, this, to us as a family. What is God saying to you? And what is your response to that? Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.